Welcome to this week's episode of Football Neophytes Podcast. It was a hard week for Wolves. We're asking ourselves, is Manchester United the real deal? COVID is rearing its ugly head again. There was snow in West Brom. Lampert is under fire. Kyle's going to focus on Newcastle this week. He's also going to fill us in on who this new American ownership is of Burnley Football Club. And we're going to be starting off with a couple of surprise guests. Chris, Kyle, what's up, boys? What's going on? What's happening? Chris, you're a little under the weather? Yeah. Yeah. A little under the weather, not a hundred percent. Um, you know, you, you feel like a year ago, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, this, I'll kick this cold in no time. And in reality, and today you're like, oh, I better go get a test. So uh, yeah. Waiting on results, whatever. It is what it is. If I'm positive, I got it from you for last week's podcast. Through, through the interwebs. Yep. Um, through the interwebs. Yes, yeah, so our family has tested negative three times, so we're good. We're waiting one last test just to to confirm it, so that's good. My in-laws are feeling well, but this is the second week in a row with uh, a football neophyte with some COVID concerns, and the second week in a row we had some COVID cancellation of matches as well. So another match canceled today. Um, we'll see. I think we're heading into the international break, which I can't imagine is going to help with all the traveling and players going all over the place. And um, yeah, I, I don't see this working out well for the premier league with already a tight fixture uh, window and a lot of congestion with games matches canceled. We got a weird week. Looks like, man, you've got a makeup match coming up, but it's, it's, it's crazy, but that's not what we want to necessarily talk about right now. We have two very special guests who you may have remembered if you're a longtime listener, which I don't know how many people are still listening from the first season, but the first season I concluded almost every episode with a little uh, quote from two very special dudes in my life. Those are Titus and Drexler. Hey dudes. Hi guys. Um, you guys have also, after the first season of football neophytes, you chose teams that you wanted to support Titus. Who did you choose? I chose Arsenal and Drexler. Who did you choose? Oh, that's my boy. So, um, Titus, we are bringing you on because Arsenal has been playing rather well lately. Yes. Um, surprisingly they won three, one against Chelsea, then 1-0 against Brighton. Not surprised they won 4-0 against West Brom with Albion. Yeah, West Brom has been struggling. I think West Brom has uh, – they lost like 4-0. They lost 5-0. I think they lost 3-0 the game before that. And the only goal they've scored, even most surprisingly, is a 1-1 draw against Liverpool. So um, Arsenal with a huge win. They've won three in a row. My question for you, Titus, because it's already past bedtime, so we're just going with one one kind of question for each of you. My question, Titus, Arsenal is in 11th place right now. They've won three in a row. We were talking almost relegation watch most recently for them. They seem to have turned it around a little bit. My question for you is realistically, as realistic as a nine-year-old can be, tell me where... What's Arsenal's best case scenario of where they finish in the table this year? Um, I say they finish in seventh place. Ooh, seventh place. All right. That's a good, that's good. Drexler, uh, Wolves had a rough week, a one yeah. nil loss to, to Manchester United where they played really well and a three, three draw against Brighton, which we watched. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. What was the moment for you in the match that was the most disappointing 
How can you not know that? I I think it was last play of the game. Header right over. Owen Otisawi. Oh, we. What would you have done if that if that ball would have gone in the back of the net? I would have said, "Let's go," and I would have run around the house. Yeah, I I would have ran around the house with you. Good choice. It was it was uh, definitely a bummer. Well, boys, I'm very thankful for you. I love watching watching football with you. Um, but it's time for bed. So, good night. Good night, good night my boys. Thanks, boys. You're welcome. Abracadabra. I'm out. If this were a video podcast, uh, we'd be having some Ann Gettys type stuff going on in here with kids without shirts on, pants even too. I will say it was nice to have some professional soccer critiquers on the pod for once. They're probably the best of the Hugheses on the (laughs) pod. Titus, Titus knows his stuff, man. That kid, he remembers everything. So, I I like his seventh place prediction. I think it's. I mean, well, I think they're only three points out of seventh place right now, so it's certainly not an unrealistic prediction. No, not at all. I mean, I think the middle of the table, as as we all can see, is pretty congested still. And I'd love for some of the. I mean, what's what's hard is obviously with um teams having played 15 some teams having played 15 matches some teams having played 17 it's it's hard to really be able to see where things are are truly at but um it seems like we're looking which thankfully i think um i at least for me i want to see uh, a race to the finish i think that'd be fun we haven't really seen that the last couple seasons and so you know, it's, it's not unrealistic to think that you've got kind of a four team battle for those top, those top four slots, um, maybe five team, you know, if man city wins their two matches, um, or their one match, they're only a point behind. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens tomorrow with, with Liverpool's match. That'll see how close, how close it's going to be. Um, but I want to start with Wolves, um, as I alluded to, is a rough, a rough week with a uh, football neophytes derby loss to Manchester United. Um, for it being one nil, I mean, it really was quite an exciting game. A um, lot of action, and I would say really evenly matched, um, with both teams having their chances in the first 70 minutes. I think Wolves slowed up a little bit. Last 15 or 20, it seemed like it was mostly Manchester United's um, on the, on the attack, but um, obviously you have just a heartbreaking uh, goal that bounces in off Sice and into the goal, you know, Rashford putting a shot on and it, it deflecting in. So um that was disappointing for Wolves. Chris, how do you feel about that match? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we were texting throughout and um, very even until the end. You're right. Looked like uh, Wolves defenders definitely started getting burnt out a little bit. And um, I mean, in all honesty, Wolves deserved the draw in that match. I said it after the game, you know, just, you know, the goal was in the 93rd minute of the 93 minute game. So, um, a brutal loss reflection nonetheless yeah on a deflection you know who knows if it doesn't get deflected if it goes way wide or even if the goalie gets a stop on it you just you have no idea but um yeah wolves deserve the draw there they deserved a point um obviously as a united fan i'm super excited and super happy you're gonna take the three points every day um so yeah it was uh but it was a it was a very even matchup for sure it was back and forth the whole game um you know it was funny though like listening to the commentators they even talked about how it looked like the wolves defenders were slowing and then you kept seeing bruno trying to get it to rashford over the top for like the last 10 minutes of the game he finally they connected on that one and uh you know that was all it took yep yep totally and then wolves go up 3-1 in the first half on brighton um (sighs) 
and then and then lose i mean just or not lose but draw i mean it feels like a loss when you're up three one um can i take partial responsibility for the loss there because you picked one, one i picked them so I, my apologies i should have done you better um but two i actually watched the whole first half and i turned it off at halftime because i was very confident in wolves finishing out a 3-1 lead uh and i started watching cobra kai and uh next thing i knew you guys drew 3-3 so i apologize wolves fans that's on me that's my that's bad right. the person who really needs to apologize is is matinho um who's been just our a leader for us over the years but Matinho in the first minute of the second half um, with a foul in the box. And, you know, all sports are, are momentum games. And, you know, Wolves dominated the first half um, or at least dominated most of the first half. And to let a team get a penalty at the start of the second half puts them right back in it. And, um, it was, it was very, it was very disheartening draw. Um, the end of the match Drexler Drexler alluded to it, but, um, last, last play. I mean, there's 90, it's three, three minutes extra and it's 92 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, ball gets kind of headed out to Traore on the right-hand side and Traore just uses his speed drives down the side uh, puts a beautiful cross in Owen Otisawi coming down the middle. I mean, open net, basically right at it balls, right at his head. And he heads it over the crossbar. I mean, just, he sat in the goal. He just like sat in the goal for like three minutes afterwards, just devastated. He had the opportunity to win it young kid. Um, it was, it was super discouraging. Uh, I will say here, here's, what's interesting. I think wolves bad run of form um, dropping points should have, should have won this. I mean, that's a four point swing, right. Between man Manchester United and, um, and Brighton, you know, you add, you add four points to where they're at and they're an 11th tied with, you know, seven through 10 or yes, tied seven through 10 with 26 points. And so um, you can't drop points like that, but it does show, I think how close the wolves are to, to being contending for top, top six. And I would say the last two years, these type of matches have gone wolves way, whether it's a draw or a, or a win. And you just see like, almost almost no victory has gone their way i can't think of a match um where maybe maybe the chelsea match where you know you thought they were going to lose and they ended up winning um but other than that it seems like they've kind of gone the other way and that happens i i'm still stoked about wolves i like where they're at i love uh nuno keeps running out this um this four two three one lineup super attacking lineup they're starting to they're starting to score goals more um they're obviously susceptible to goals as well but but i i love it and um i'm excited to see how they continue to grow as a club um their team was super young they started a lot of young guys and even their bench i heard the commentators say if you took out john ruddy who's their their keeper their backup keeper if you took him out their average age on their bench for this match was i think 19 years old average age oh. so nuno keeps running out a young squad and the even the guys on the pitch are young um and so I I'm fine with that. Again, I've said this all, all season. I'm fine with them finishing mid table or even in the bottom half. If they're developing these young guys and um, putting a system together that they can run with for the next few years. Before we move yeah. on. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I'd say two notes uh, going back to the wolves man United game. It was uh they were talking about how Bruno was looking forward to the matchup to play against all his national team squad mates. So it's good to 
good to get uh you know those portuguese guys out there on the pitch together again yeah um, was the point i think i texted you this there was a point where fabio silva um fouled fouled bruno <laughs> yeah. and you can clearly yeah. see bruno on the ground like he goes fabio like yelling at him like what are you <laughs> doing bro it's pretty funny and then uh to the wolves uh brighton game there's i still can't get over how bad those christmas jerseys are mm, i love them um i will I will say um, this leaves us a perfect opportunity to talk about our term of the week. Um, my buddy Stu from Wolverhampton uh, let me know about this term called a term called a bogey team, a bogey team. So this is a team that you should beat and you traditionally don't beat them. So for wolves, that's Brighton um, wolves have never beaten Brighton in the top flight um they came into this match they should have won and i think even the, the way the match played out was kind of a perfect example of this this term of the week so that's a that's a bogey team chris you'll have to do some research maybe on twitter find out who manchester united's bogey team is who's a team that they uh should be but but have just struggled with over over the years i think burnley can be a team like that for wolves as well but but it seems like Brighton, Brighton for sure is. Yeah, I'll, uh, oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll look into it. I'll, I'll, I'll see who it is. Manchester United in second place right now. It seems almost unfathomable, um, as unfathomable as, as Arsenal finishing seventh. Um, as Titus predicted, is Manchester United not because of their recent run of form, of course, like Manchester United looks so good right now, mostly because of what we were saying two months ago um, and them getting bounced from champions league. So Chris, um, how are you feeling? Uh, what are some, some things of note from this past week? Obviously we talked a little bit about wolves match, um, but how about from, from this weekend? Yeah, they, uh, they got by Villa, Aston Villa two one. Um, it was probably the anti-Chris game of all Manchester United games because Eric Bailly was unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, maybe I need to apologize to him because, I mean, he really hasn't played a ton. He's actually been injured since I've been a Man U fan, and he's played like four or five games since I've really been following the team, and he's looked really bad in all of them. But when you figure – you know, he had some serious knee injuries. He missed a ton of time. Um, and then to get thrown back out there playing at higher levels, it's hard to have the game come back to you, you know, and then you're not getting consistent playing time. So when you do get out there, maybe you're pressing too much. I don't know, but Bayou was awesome. Uh, so that was unbelievable. Anthony Martial scored a goal, uh, his second goal uh, in the Premier League this season, oh. which if you're one of the premier strikers on your club and that's your second goal of the season. That's not good. Um, and Paul Pogba was fantastic. <laughs> um, it was, it, it was the anti-Chris game for sure. Now my thing with Pogba has never been, I don't like Pogba. I, I dislike his effort for sure. His talents there. I mean, you watch him play, you can see flashes of it. Well, he actually played all 90 minutes and it was so fun to watch. Um, but yeah, they get by Villa two one Pogba, draws the foul in the box and Bruno converts it and winner trips over um, his own leg in the box. Easy. It's a good foul. Yeah. yeah. You know, you put those things on super slow-mo, you don't watch it in the context of live action. You know, it's easy to say those things. So you, you asked me when, when I was bantering about it, cause I only saw the slow-mo. Um, yeah. but then I went back and watched it live and even live, I thought it was suspect to me. It's not yeah. the pull to me. It's not the pull down. It's the, if, if you're going to say anything, it's that his leg clips, clips. his yeah. like Pogba's leg, but whatever. It's all suspect nowadays with VAR. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Like they call it or they don't, they review it or they don't like, I don't know. I just, my biggest thing right now <laughs> is, is, and this goes for all sports. This is not just related to the premier league. Like I can't stand the let's, look at everything in replay in super slow-mo. I, I'm, I just, I'm all for review and getting calls, right. 
but like I'm so tired of the you know in the NBA where a guy like bludgeons a dude but the ball trickles off the offensive guy's finger as it rolls and they're like oh it last the offensive guy and it's like oh my gosh like why do we have to review these things like we all the reason the ball went out of bounds is because the guy murdered the dude and you didn't want to call a foul so you just said it was their ball and then they can challenge that but we can't challenge the foul call like i just i'm so tired of this let's slow everything down into you know these little minuscule seconds as if that's how the real world works i i just i'm over it yeah but anyways um, I don't know if you guys know this, Manchester United's tied atop the table uh, with Liverpool. There are no ties. Uh, They're in second. Uh, you can call it what you want. I can call it what I want. They both have 33 points. <laughs> they both have played 16 games. I will. I, it's not just me, actually. <laughs> I actually don't call it that at all. The Premier League calls it that. The Premier League has a two next to Manchester United's name. So Hey, it's fake news. Fake news. <laughs> Every league has their own rule. Every league has their own rules. Every league has their own tiebreakers, right? Do I need to bring that up? Like on how like you make the playoffs? Like what do you like? Do the do the cards no, should, should the Cardinals no make it or should the Bears make the playoffs? And you decide it based on certain certain rules each each league has. And so it's flawed. It's a flawed system. Suppose the next thing you're going to do is release audio tape of me complaining to the BBC news reporter about how Manchester United needs to find another, another point. They should have gotten two points for one of their draws. Come on. There we I just go. need you to give them one more point. I'm looking for one more point. That's right. Parliament's going to contest it. That's right. There we go. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know if either of you guys saw. Oh, yeah. I don't know if either of you guys. Yeah, man, you, you got to be excited for sure. Uh, I sent both of you guys a picture yesterday. I don't know if you guys watched it. Titus had Arsenal on for sure, but um, just crazy snow. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a match like that for sure. Yet not this year yet. And uh, it was fun. It was a fun match to watch for sure. Fun for Arsenal. And like we talked about to start off there, three, three wins in a row, those nine points add up quick and they're up to 11th and We'll see if they can keep that run of form going. It's going to save Arteta's job, uh, at least for the time being. But you know whose job is in jeopardy? <laughs> Frankie. Frankie Lampard, <laughs> man. Chelsea going the opposite way of, of Arsenal. And, yeah, there's reports that they're already looking for, for a new manager for Chelsea. So that's – when you're that type so of club – be, being new to the Premier League, I don't know what the coaching turnover is like. Uh, obviously, in our first season, Man U fired their fired Jose in the middle of that season, and there were a couple other turnover spots. Um, I don't know if it's like as rampant as it feels like it is in like in American sports. Um, so I don't really know what to expect. But like, are we all kind of agreeing that? if someone's going to get fired, it's going to be Lampard. Like you see the number one hot seat guy in the league right now. I think so. And the, the bigger issue for him, I would say is he doesn't really have time to, to turn it around. Like they're entering it. We're entering into international break. Um, so I, I don't know if they're going to use this time over the next few weeks to, to see who they could even get. The advantage he has is they play, they play Fulham and then, and then they face Leicester. So I just don't know how long his leash is. Um, and it can't be much longer. So does he, does he buy a little time if they beat Fulham? Is he axed if they lose to Fulham at, or draw? I mean, I don't know. I don't. It's, well, let's, let's answer that. It let's, let's play it out. We're a week away from that match. They lose to Fulham. Is he still the coach on the thirteenth? No. no. On Saturday, the sixteenth. If they lose to Fulham, yeah. Heck no. Heck <laughs> no. What if they draw? I think he's. I think he's gone if they draw. If they have two weeks, if if the reports are out that they're looking 
then they basically got two weeks, right. Or a little less than two weeks, um, to do some work. And you have to imagine they've been doing some work, whether it's maybe cursory or not, um, already. And so my guess is in two weeks, they'll have someone locked and loaded. If it's true, if they're, if the reports are true, they'll have someone locked and loaded depending on the full on match. Um, so yeah, Frank Lampard is on the hot seat, as we say here in America. I don't know if they say that over there. Um, Kyle, you you focused on a match earlier in the weekend or the week, uh, Newcastle, yes. Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. So interesting match. And to some extent, it ended up in a 0-0 draw. But really... There was a lot of action uh, early on. Mo Salah had a great look at the goal. Um, the goalkeeper kind of came really far out of his space to make the play. And, but still Mo Salah had a chance to, to knock it in. And it was the chance that very often. And yet uh, he uncharacteristically missed the, missed the goal and got it blocked. A uh, minute later, Liverpool came back another opportunity. They mishandled the ball this time and weren't able to convert that goal. Just before half, Liverpool had yet another opportunity. The Newcastle goalkeeper made an incredible save. Um, and this kind of just went on and on. Liverpool had a ton of opportunities. Uh, Mo Salah again in about the 66th minute missed a wide open goal. Um, and so they just got to be kicking themselves. They, they really left some points out there. Uh, Newcastle had a chance to steal it late. Uh, but couldn't quite capitalize uh, off a set piece. They had a, a real good opportunity and, and just missed a header to to really steal three points. But uh, like I said, Liverpool's got to be kicking themselves for for not getting the win. But at that that being said, the Newcastle goalkeeper Carl uh, Darlow Darlow uh, has to be the man of the match. I mean, I don't know if he was named that or if that's even a thing that they actually name. I know they do it in the video games, but uh, he, he has to be, in my opinion, the man of the match because he kept Newcastle in this with some incredible saves. And he's been, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit when I go through my golden boots for Newcastle, but he has been getting a lot of publicity lately and has just been playing really, really well, despite Newcastle not playing very well as a team. Yeah. Before, before you jump in there, I do want to talk about Liverpool real quick. Um, we, you talk about Liverpool leaving, leaving points on the board. Liverpool has three draws out of their last five matches. And those mm. draws are against Fulham, 18th place, Fulham, mm. 19th place, West Brom and, uh, 15th place, Newcastle. So you talk yep. about playing down to your competition. This is, this is where Liverpool, uh, in the previous two years, and last year in particular, they would have won all three of those. And Chris would have no claim to, to being anywhere close to, to number one. Um, and so I think as a fan of, of the sport and as someone who wants to see a battle to the end and have some excitement in the last few weeks, I I'm, I'm thankful for that. Cause I want, I want there to be a race, but, but definitely Liverpool leaving points on the table. For sure. And yeah, it was one of those where like after Wolves, Man United, it was like, oh man, if a miracle could happen in Newcastle could somehow get a draw. Could you imagine? <laughs> and, you know, and it was like it happened. And so going into tomorrow's game, because uh, we're recording on a Sunday and Liverpool plays uh, Southampton tomorrow, I'm doing it again. Like, could Liverpool lose? Maybe we could get a loss for once, but I mean, they're so good at not losing, which sounds weird, but it's so important. It's so true. Yeah. And I think if this match is any indication, the reason why is it takes so much for them to even draw, right? Like it's not like they didn't have opportunities. They had tons of opportunities and they had to miss open goal after open goal, their best striker, you know, not converting on chances where he should have converted and yet they still draw, right? Like that's what they did all that. And they still came away with the draw. Um, yeah. So they're just so talented and have so many chances to win any match they play in 
that, um, you know, that gives them a lot of, of room for air. Yep. So tell us about Newcastle. Give us a breakdown. All right. So Newcastle, um, infrastructure. They've been in the Premier League for all but three seasons that it's been around. They, they've spent 88 years total in top flight and never dropped below Division Two, second division. Um, however, like Sheffield last week where we talked about their glory years being so long ago that I don't know that there's a human who was alive to witness it. That is also true with Newcastle. Um, they, they've had, they had some success in the early 1900s, not a lot of success other than just kind of hanging around since then. Uh, but at the same time, hanging around, you know, you get some credit for that. You're, you're always around uh, the, the top flight or the second division. So uh, not too shabby considering some of the history of these other clubs. Uh, I will say, though, they are owned by what some people consider to be the worst owner in sports. And Chris may disagree with this, right, because he's got his own or- owner issues. But uh, a guy named I Mark. Think, I don't even think Chris will disagree as much as he yeah. has his own ownership issues. I think it's pretty universal. Yeah, it would be hard to disagree. Yeah, even going back to our first season when we interviewed the Newcastle guy, he was like, I hate our owner. Everyone hates him. And you can see why. He bought them in 2007, and he's tried to sell them three times since he bought them, and yet he won't sell them. I have no idea what's going on. Um, He he doesn't apparently like to own the team, and yet he won't let anybody else own the team. Uh, It's it's almost like a a twisted version of Ted Lasso, where he's spite own he's he's owning the team out of spite. and so it's a mess. It's a mess. He most pulled the group, the team to a group from Saudi Arabia, but then there was a big backlash that uh, Saudi Arabia was trying to quote unquote sports wash over their human rights records, which uh-huh. I thought was an incredible term sports wash, like Never. that they were trying to own all these sports teams and get some good press to make it the, the, us all not focus on the fact that they do some awful things in that country. Um, and so that, that was X'd and he wasn't allowed to sell the group to them and, or to the team to that group. And, um, yeah, he, he's just a, he's a mess and they got some issues. Um, that being said, all that being said, right. So you think infrastructure and all that, you think one golden boot, uh, or no golden boots, <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of other things there um, that if they, if he were to ever sell the team to the right owner, I do think that this could be a sleeping giant that would be ready to wake up if they got the group in place. They have the 17th highest revenue of any club in the world. And they consistently rank in the top five or six in terms of attendance, uh, which brings me to their culture. They have, an incredible fan base from what I've been able to tell. Um, you know, they, it's a cold weather, not very good weather city with not a lot of other things to do. And so the fans are very, very passionate about Newcastle and they continue to show up despite the fact that they haven't been very good at a high level for a long time. Um, so you kind of think maybe like Philadelphia in the United States where, uh, uh, they have this passionate fan base that will show up. There's not a lot else to do necessarily in the city, uh, bad weather, blah, blah, blah. And so, but they have a great, great group of fans. Right. And so, um, I, I do think they have a great stadium that's been around for a while. That's I think really got some really neat characteristics. And so you add that together and it's a mixed bag between really bad infrastructure and really bad ownership with a really intriguing, interesting, energetic, passionate culture. Um, so I did. I gave them two golden boots for infrastructure just because of the potential and then four golden boots for their culture. I was really impressed walking away um, with what I saw from their supporters there. Moving down to strikers, the guy who stood out when, in the match I watched was uh, Calum Wilson. 
Oh yeah. Callum, Callum Wilson, Callum Wilson, Callum Wilson. Um, you know, I thought he played really well and looked like a really nice player. It's interesting. You know, he definitely wouldn't qualify as a big striker. He's only listed as five eleven and 145 pounds, which I thought was funny. Cause that's gotta be 30 pounds off of his actual weight. There's totally. no chance he weighs 145 pounds. Um, but he, he plays a lot bigger than than even 5'11". And so I, I was really intrigued by him. DeAndre Yedlin's always there. He'll always – I'll always love him for the potential of what I think DeAndre Yedlin could be. Um, and he's, again, certainly not big, but you, you get an extra foot added to your height if you're an American, as far as I'm concerned. For sure. Um, but the big one there, I mentioned him earlier, was the goalkeeper Carl Dar- Darlow. Uh, he again has been getting a lot of attention in Europe. There's some people who think that he may make a play to be the, the national goalkeeper. And he also, he's just been playing out of his mind and Chris might know him. He's the guy who stopped Bruno's perfect penalty streak. Oh yeah. So he, you, you he, can tell he's, he's got some things going for him. He's a national hero. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and um, so, man. In Hughes-Landia. <laughs> so you add it all up to uh, three golden boots for strikers. And moving on to kits, here's the bad. Their crest ha- is a coat of arms being held up by two seahorses, <laughs> which is not the best. I'm not, not a big fan of seahorses. Uh, their sponsors are Puma and something called Fun88, which sounds like a radio station that I would not want to listen to Uh, the good though. There's a lot of good to be honest. You know, I'm poking fun at some of the stuff The the sponsors bad, but the the good part is they have those classic red and black stripe kits and they they really kind of tap black and white. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I said red. They, they tap into the black and white, which is a powerful, like those are, powerful colors right if you're waving black and white flags um it just looks really cool and really impressive their away kits this neon green their third kits this purple and black honeycomb pattern which sounds weird but it really all works well together so especially the black and white it's just it's just one of those legendary um kits and legendary color patterns that again really great so four golden boots for kits and sponsors um, that puts them really firmly um, up high on the golden tier chart. I'm going to put them in the Clint Dempsey tier. This is a team you can bring home to mama. Nothing wrong with her. And uh, 13 golden boots total. I'm really intrigued. I hate the owner, but, I got to tell you, I think there's some sleeping giant potential there. Love it. That's the same. That's the same uh, tier as wolves. Tis, tis. I I agree. I, I, I mean, I think Newcastle a change in ownership. If they could get a change of ownership uh, mid season, I'd love to see. Love to see Kyle a Newcastle fan. I get <laughs> behind that. My only disagreement is I hate the black and white kits. I can't stand them. They remind me of a Foot Locker employee. Oh, I remember and, that. Yeah. And I just can't get behind it because of that. And I can't excuse the fact that Newcastle beer is really shitty. Yes, it is hard to unlink that in your mind. <laughs> I agree with you there. Well, speaking of ownership, Kyle, we, we tasked you with um, the assignment of finding out about this new Burnley ownership group. I didn't yeah. know Burnley was even up for sale, um, but I don't know. If you had, we should have bought them. We could have jumped <laughs> Dude, in on this. My dream, you guys, my lifelong dream, if I were like really rich, would be to buy a really low level club, like a, a fifth tier club, and just pump a ton of money into them to see if you could get them to the Premier League. It's what I do on FIFA Dude, every year. I just take Nate, the- you don't even have to be that rich. Like these clubs don't go for that much money. 84% of Burnley went for 200 million. Now, I'm not saying you have 200 million pounds laying around, but you could buy a minor stake or a smaller club for a couple million. I know you got that laying under your bed. 
And, you know, it, but it, it really is interesting where like any American pro team right now, even in the pandemic would go for something starting with the B, a billion. And so I do find it interesting that some of these clubs now, maybe Man U, the big six, Chelsea, Liverpool, they might start in that billion dollar range. But to get a Premier League club for 200 million pounds, that's a good deal. Pretty, pretty good deal. So tell us about them. Yeah. So talking about new ownership, and if you're a Newcastle supporter, you got to be wishing these guys had made a move for your team because they seem like an ownership group that has a lot of positives. And right? let me just, so before st- you before you even mention it, I should say that this is actually the start of American Watch. <laughs> Because, yes. because these guys are American, right? They are American. The guy who's leading the group, Alan Pace, is the former chairman of Real Salt Lake. Uh-huh. And they are, yeah, they're Americans who love England. So if you, if you can imagine, uh, Real Salt Lake might give you an idea. And also Alan Pace's dad was a missionary in England when he was a teenager. And so the whole group is actually uh, Latter-day from the church of Latter-day saints. So they're all Mormons and they have that tie to England based on that missionary work that they did there. And so they're really excited. He's moving over there. So he's going to be an expat living in England uh, as well as some of the other people from the group. And so they're really pouring in. They are heavily invested in analytics. They own a couple different, technology athletic technology companies that they're they've pumped a bunch of money into that they want to utilize when they are running burnley now um they're going to be very hands-on they talked about not only making investments in the team but in the city telling the story of the community that around burnley um you know i look back and i gave burnley actually the lowest golden boot total of any club (laughs) <laughs> but I got to say this new ownership is very intriguing. And if you're a Burnley supporter, you got to be pumped. You got to be pumped. They look like they know what they're doing. And um, yeah, I, I would be excited if I, if I were a Burnley supporter. I'll have to reach. I haven't reached out to Natalie yet, but I'll give Natalie a little shout out when I, when yeah. I tweet out this episode in the morning and I'll, I'll get some hot take from, from Natalie. I, uh, what's, I what's the up? drink, Chris? Chris, do you remember the drink that that yeah. she invited us to have someday when we get out there? Our if we ever do a football neophytes trip, Kyle, uh, your great will will include you in our trip. I'm sure Natalie will treat you as well. But she she mentioned some it was hot. It was a hot drink, right? Yes, I. Good thing is that we have it on tape. I believe we do. Uh, we have yeah. These <laughs> are all recorded. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. It was something like a Pounders or a Bangers something. Well, we need to get this group hooked up with Natalie so they can tell her story. There you go. We love having Natalie on. She was my favorite guest we've ever had. Yeah, me too. I love Luke. Love me some Luke who introduced me to Wolves, but Natalie, Natalie was the best. Yeah. Uh, so, a couple American things. Well, just sorry, go for it. Oh, just to, okay. while we're on the American piece, um, Owen Otisawi looking good again, obviously missed the header, which was a tragic end. But I think the the bigger piece of news was Zach Steffen, American keeper, starting for Man City today. So um, big news. Uh, City had some had some COVID instances on the team. So they were short a little bit. Ederson is not one of them, but he was self-isolating because he'd had some contact and that left the door open for Zach Steffen. And he had a good match today. He lost the, lost a clean sheet towards the end of the match, but had a save. And um, it's just exciting. I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us, we haven't been premier league fans long enough um, to really understand the importance of these Americans getting really good playing time. Um, Americans not named Pulisic, I would even say, right. We haven't really mentioned him much. He hasn't, he's injured and then hasn't really done a ton since he's come off injury, but 
I, I think we're entering into a really exciting time of American soccer boys and um, to see Americans on multiple premier league teams getting playing time and, and playing well, I think it's exciting. Nice. Nice. I was going to say, I, uh, I pulled up the club evaluations for what clubs are worth the most. And I don't know how recent this is, but I think, it, I think it goes back to last year, which, which club do you think is valued the highest in the premier league? Manchester United. Yeah. Just actually, Arsenal. No Arsenal because of their world brand. It's actually Spurs. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I, I wonder if they own their stadium and I wonder how much that, because they spent a grip on that stadium and I yeah. don't know if that's included in the evaluation. I mean, I could read further and I would know better, but <laughs> where are the other guys at? Where are the other? No need, no at? need to do that. So I, I, here's a couple. All right. I'll give you the top five. Um, Spurs, City, United, Liverpool, Arsenal, and then Chelsea. So there's your your big six, right? Yep. Who's and what's seven? the valuation? Who's seventh? Everton. Wolves. Mm. The the note on this is pretty crazy because the wolves were sold for forty five million pounds. That's and- what I'm saying. And as of, as of this publication, again, I think this data is about a year old. Um, as of this publication, the Wolves are val- valued at $458 million. Oh, 10x. So 10 times. And it's only been three years since that, that sale actually happened. Awesome. Uh, based on this data. So Spurs are coming in just over $2.5 billion. Uh, City at $2.1 billion. United at $2 billion. Uh, and again, these are all in pounds. So if you're talking U.S. dollars, you can basically just double it, and that's yeah, close that's enough. A lot. That's some big money, boys. Yeah, but well, it looks I like had my shot. I didn't the know. Low, like the lowest valued team was Bournemouth last year uh, at right at 99 million. But it feels like to potentially own a professional soccer team. I'm saying. Playing in a world-renowned brand for less than a hundred million is insane. Well, if you bought if you bought Bournemouth for ninety-nine million, you'd be pretty pissed in the championship right now. So, right, what I'm saying this would be uh, way more fun to buy, like uh, Newport County or what Exeter City or some random club from the second or third tier second or third division and bring them up. It'd be awesome. For sure. For sure. Another one that's interesting, Andrea Rodronazzi, Rodrizani bought leads for like 45 million three years ago. Dude. And how much do you think they're worth now? I, I would say a bunch. Way more. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see some current evaluation or valuations on those clubs. Um, all right, we'll start, start saving some money in your piggy bank. Saving. I'm going to take it from the kids Disneyland jar, but don't tell them they don't need, they'll be go. excited. They'll be so stoked. If we owned a club, I don't think they would care about Disneyland. Um, performance of the week. And I'm even extending this a little bit out, but I want to give a shout out to Lacazette for Arsenal. Um, hasn't didn't start the year playing very much definitely wasn't starting but with Aubameyang being out a little bit um Lacazette's played great especially this week he had two two goals yesterday um had a goal in the earlier match week game and has four goals in the last three so Alexander Lacazette coming strong for Arsenal and leading the resurgence even with Aubameyang nowhere to be seen really from a from goal from a goal standpoint at least it's pretty crazy it would um and i don't think it's any sort of surprise that the arsenal turnaround has happened with a youth resurgence there like he started playing a lot of the younger guys and they're just playing better yeah yeah it'll, yeah i mean it's be interesting to see if they can sustain it you know they haven't they haven't necessarily beat i mean they beat chelsea but they kind of kicked off chelsea's downturn it's not like arsenal's necessarily beat 
the toughest teams, West Brom, Brighton, Chelsea. Um, so it'll be interesting to see as they start facing some, some stiffer competition, but they have, they have crystal palace coming up. Um, I'm not sure who else they have. Uh, looks like Newcastle. So it's not, I mean, over the, they could, they could get another six points, four or six points. And they're going to, they are going to be knocking at that seventh place spot. So Titus might be spot on. Yeah. I'm officially taking Arteta off the hot seat. I don't think he's going anywhere. If they would have, they were going to fire him. They would have done it, you know, yeah, yeah. early December, well, mid December. So he's yeah. there to stay and it looks like they're starting to figure it out. Yep. Cream rises to the top, as they say. So we did have a red card this week. It's kind of weak. It was just a double yellow. I wouldn't even bring it up if it wasn't the fact that it was Matt Doherty, former Wolf, Wolves player, now playing for Spurs. Um, I didn't see the first yellow, but the second yellow stepped on the guy's foot. It, you know, it's one of those things where it's those cumulative yellows, those cumulative fouls over the course of a match where you get enough warnings, you're kind of on the hot seat. So Doherty's out. He's been really inconsistent and probably not what uh, Spurs had wanted. Jose looked pretty pissed. I don't know if he was pissed at Doc or if he was pissed at the foul, but either way, I love seeing seeing Jose with the little pissed off look. Does he ever not look pissed off? Yeah, it's true. Hair watch. I wanted to, I asked these guys a question. Um, so the question gentlemen, I sent you some, some screenshots, the best pictures I could get. It's hard to find Treor, uh, Adame Treore changes his hair so often that um, it's hard to get the most, the most recent hair. The, the most recent shot of his hair. So I had to screenshot some Adame Traore. He, he came out with new hair again this week. Uh, not a big surprise, but I sent the question to you, to you gentlemen, who has the better hair between Adame Traore and Bertrand Traore? Adame or Bertrand? Who has, who has the better hair right now, right now? Um, all right. So I actually, I had the privilege of watching both Treores this week. You did. Um, I, cause Wolves and Villa played Man United. I also watched a lot of the Wolves game on Saturday. So I got to see Treores, Adama's new hair. Um, huh. It's tough. I I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't love Villa's Treores hair. Just in general. Um, but <laughs> as I was watching the Wolves game over the weekend with Adame's new year, new me look, um, it kind of was like a cute girl pigtail kind of. And that's what Drexler said. Drexler said the same thing. He's like, Adame's <laughs> hair looks like it's like some gr girl's hair. And every time the camera was behind following his run, I thought, man, that girl's really good. And so I don't have to, and yo, she's jacked. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have a good answer to this. I don't have a good response. Um, I'm glad we don't have a ton of listeners to chastise me for gender ruining this or something. Um, but I will, I will take Atame's little girl pigtail look over uh, Trey Ors at Villa. And I keep saying that because I forget his first name. Bertrand. Bertrand. Even though he was the one who scored against Manu. Oh man, I thought you were going to go the other way, but I'm with you. I, I like the pigtail look. I feel like there's some, uh, it, Derek Henry is the football player who yeah. has a similar look going on and I like it. I'm with it. So I'm with you, Chris. Except like Derek Henry's is just like a spike that comes out of the back of his head. Like, <laughs> true, just, true. Oh man, it's, uh, yeah surprisingly guys i'm going with bertrand that's why i brought this up because i saw his watching uh some of the match this weekend and uh thought i'd go with bertrand Traore, i just love Traore's when he's got the fro the fro like kind of big wide mohawk fro yeah 
This is well, my favorite. He had that look in the Man U game earlier in the week. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking like, well, because going back to to early in the season or whenever it was where he first put them down and you were like, I think maybe he got extensions. Oh, yeah. And as someone without any hair on the top of my head, I just don't think I'll ever fully understand an Afro and what happens when you straighten it out and how long it actually is. So um uh, maybe we need to rescind our, I think he got <laughs> there. They're, they're for sure. Extensions. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way they're that long. His fro. <laughs> All right. Whatever. All right. Let's move on to lock it in review. Uh, a huge turnaround this weekend. I missed both of mine. I picked wolves over man U and I picked Everton over West Ham. So I dropped uh, two matches. I'm moving back towards the mean with a 10 and six record. Kyle closing the gap picked both of his correct. He had Arsenal over Brighton and Tottenham over Leeds to move to 10 and six. We are tied. Chris split picking against Wolves and then picking Wolves. He got one right and got the other wrong. And he is at eight and eight, still 50%. Um, Chris, who are you taking for this upcoming, not this upcoming, these couple match weeks coming up, but uh, who do you got? Yeah, uh, kind of a weird schedule. Um, and you guys took what I would consider the better ones to choose from. So I'm going to take uh, Aston Villa over Crystal Palace in uh, the early weeks matches. And who you got in the later one? Um, I am going to take West Ham over the newly acquired Burnley. Oh, nice. Kyle, who are you taking? I am going early week with Man City over Brighton. As Pep said, we're back. I think <laughs> City is back. And late week, I'm going Liverpool over Man U. Oof. No offense, Chris. Okay. I actually really respect the way you guys have been playing, but I think that I'm, I just think Liverpool is going to show up for this one. They, they play to their competition, you know? So yep. uh, yeah, I I'm excited for that match. I'm terrified of that match. As you sure. should be. That's Liverpool, man. They're amazing. Nothing against Man U. I am taking Man U over Burnley uh, in the midweek. And then I'm taking City over Crystal Palace. Um, both those teams are playing so well. I agree with Pep. City is back. And I think we could and should have a really fun second half of the season with, with Man U, City, and Liverpool playing, playing great. Um, and potentially some other teams, Leicester, uh, maybe others playing up there. So uh match of the week uh we're recording sunday night because of some conflicts on monday night so i just want to say i think the southampton liverpool match tomorrow should be really exciting um obviously southam southampton's fallen down a little bit recently but um i still think they're a good club and liverpool's liverpool but then later on i think Liverpool, Manchester United. It's just obviously, again, another one-two battle. And hopefully um, this one lives up to the hype a little more than than the other ones we've had this season so far. Yeah, excited for that one. I think also another game to keep your eye on in the midweek match is uh, the Aston Villa Spurs game on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, that should be a decent tilt. Um, the rest of those like midweek matches are just – it's so strange. You're looking at them like, how, how do we get those, that grouping, but whatever. Yeah. Wolves have Everton. I, I just don't know what to make of wolves. I still like them, but I really, I wouldn't bet on them right now. They're too inconsistent. There's no way to really know. And I think they're still working stuff out. And so until they have a better run of form, but yeah, it is an interesting uh, match week coming up in a week and a half. Kyle, who are you going to focus on? Yeah, so speaking of we're back, I figured this was a great opportunity to check out 
Man City. They're taking on Brighton, and they're playing really well again. And I'm going to check them out. And this is actually a team that I know a lot of the names on the team already. I have a kind of unexplainable man crush on De Bruyne ever since he beat the United States heads in in the World Cup. Um, so I really like him. Looking forward to uh, watching him. Aguero, I don't, not as fond of him, but they they got some guys who I, I even I know as a neophyte. So I'm excited to take a closer look. Yeah, Raheem Sterling, um, Mares. I mean, they just they they're stacked. Phil Foden's a young guy. Keep your eye on. He's he's really good um, and has played well. Uh, Silva, they Ruben Diaz. I mean, they've just got they're stacked. Uh, top to bottom. Ederson's their typical goalkeeper. Uh, he's really good. He's Brazilian. Um, but you know, who knows? Maybe you'll get to see Zach Steffen, depending on uh, what's going on with COVID stuff. But um, you'll enjoy City. Yeah, watch uh, Watch for Kyle Walker. See if you – Kyle Walker. Yeah, I heard you're, you're a big fan, right? I'm a huge Kyle Walker guy. I just love – I love his look. I love his attitude. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so see see how he strikes you. I want, I want to know how you feel if I'm just, you know, if I'm reading the book by its cover, if it's just me. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, like we've kind of alluded to, there's a little break coming up. Uh, so no fixtures next weekend. So we'll have a week off. Um, we'll be back the following week after kind of a weird uh, run of fixtures. I think 16 matches. Um, I think a makeup, a couple makeup matches in there. I'm not really sure why the fixtures are the way they are, but, um, we'll see you in a couple weeks. See you boys. See ya. New year, new me. <laughs> Gonna add some extensions. <laughs> <laughs>